This is the Moshpit Backstage Podcast for punk, metal and rock interviews and segments. Tim Miller is a guitarist of progressive metal band Protest the Hero. They will be supporting their latest album, Pacific Myth, with an Australian tour playing in Melbourne at the Corner Hotel on April 21st. Tim, thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Now, in terms of a live show, how do you uh, kind of approach it? Because with a live show, there's lots of energy going around. Some bands like to jump around like crazy. But you're playing a kind of very technical music. How do you, how do you approach a live show? Yeah, I think um, we definitely, when we were a younger band, we put an emphasis on rocking out and going crazy and not too much of an emphasis on executing our music. Um, But now we try to find a balance of having fun and putting on a show uh, at the same time trying to make sure that we do the music justice and are able to perform everything up to to snuff. In terms of Australia, I think this is your third time here when you come to a different country do you approach it any differently than you would any other country that you play in uh it just really depends on i guess where the band's at i think we were pretty lucky when it comes to australia because we came over the first time with Soundwave, and then the next time we came back we were able to do like a small headliner and this time it sounds like we're doing a headliner as well so um I think we've been a lot more fortunate in a place like Australia, not having having to really put in all the grueling touring that we've done in a place like Canada or the U.S. to try to to build the fan base. So, um, yeah, it really comes down to how much uh, how the reception is and how quickly you can grow. But it seems like uh, what's been going on in Australia has been working well for us. Now, in terms of the Pacific Myth album, or EP, whatever you want to call it, it was released on Bandcamp, but not using a model I think most people would be familiar with. Could you talk a little bit about how you released it and why you chose to do it that way? Yeah, so um, it kind of worked out nicely that Bandcamp had opened up this kind of subscription idea around the time we wanted to do something very similar to what they were offering so what we decided instead of kind of going dark for however many months to write and record an album we thought we could just do each song song by song and then release it to whoever wanted to subscribe to uh the pacific myth project uh, a song a time for six months so whoever signed up they got one song each month each month for six months and we just thought that was a cool way to a slow down the release process process but also kind of build excitement where, you know, you get one song and then you have to wait a, a month to digest that and then you get something new. And we just thought it was kind of an interesting way to approach releasing music. In terms of the way people receive it, do you have any thoughts about like the fact that it's not an album where you can say, oh, I like that song, I don't like that song. There's kind of very much there'll be a focus on each individual song at a time because there's, there's sort of... You've already digested the other song. The other, the next song's a month away. Do you have any thoughts about like how that works in this kind of model? Like, very much a very individualistic 
approached each song. Yeah, well, I think the interesting thing is that the people that were a part of it kind of got to experience something more than just the music. And um, I think looking back now, or if someone were to come across uh, the album now, it would just be an album to them. But I think for the, the core of the people that were subscribed, they had this kind of interactive thing, and they got to kind of have this experience that now that it's passed, no one else is really going to have that same experience with the album. So, um, and just the interaction. I think we had a lot of interaction with people that would, you know, the second we post a song, people would be writing, and we'd kind of been commenting back and forth on the post, and then there was just kind of this really cool community that was happening as each song was released and just a discussion about it. And, uh, yeah, it was really, I think, satisfying for both us, the band, and hopefully for anyone that was part of it. That's actually a really diff- interesting thought because the way we kind of have previously approached it is, you know, the music industry is so they re- announce they're recording an album or something like that. They record it, they promote it, and then it's released. And it's very much a one-way, w- uh, the band saying, hey, this is coming, this is really, really coming, and then it's here. But in this way, do you think maybe the, this can drive a really more close-knit relationship between bands and their fans because it's not just a one-way street with all these different models Bandcamp um, I know you've done a, a crowdfunding campaign for uh, the last album do, do you think this can sort of drive a kind of tighter-knit relationship between bands and their fans? Yeah, absolutely and I think that's something that was kind of innately lost on us when we were putting out records we didn't really have any information about who was buying them and this is information that kind of never trickles through the label to the band. They kind of see how many sales they've had, and you can see kind of where the sales were. But to actually have everyone's name and everyone's email and be able to talk kind of in real time, um, it's a really great way of connecting the fans to the band and also kind of like motivating and inspiring us. I think being able to see like a, a little icon of someone's picture in their name and saying, like, I like this, I like that, or, or whatever they're saying, like, it kind of actually makes a, the fan feel like a real thing, where, you know, if you see that in Canada, you sold X amount of records, it doesn't really put a face to those people that are there. You kind of know they exist, but you don't know who they are. So I think this was a great way to kind of bring the fans and the band really close together, and I think... Uh, at least for us, it really inspired us and kind of keeps motivating us to, to keep making music because we know people out there and we don't want to disappoint them. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, in terms of the, the show, the, the kind of closest you really get to a, 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 the mass of fans is they're only really a face in the crowd. And this, their actual face, and not only are they a specific face, this isn't sort of shrouded in a bit of darkness, They've, they've, uh, you know, they're clear and they've got words for you, and that can kind of get straight through to you. So it's pretty, it's pretty incredible like that. In terms of like all these different models that people are trying to come up with, I mean, you've got this, the the Bandcamp subscription, you've got crowdfunding, um, you've got uh, subscription services like Spotify and all those sorts of things. Um, you, you, uh, you're a band who's been involved in. Two, uh, are you guys on on streaming services as well? Yeah. 
Yeah, so you're involved in all three of those different aspects, I think, to some of the bigger models that people have come up with. What do you think about this for the future of music? I mean, you had released uh, a few albums before that on label, so you're not just coming out to this sort of new and you're just in the new system. You've been in both old and new system. What do you, what do you think about how this is going to translate to the future of releasing music? Yeah, I think it's kind of uh, a wild west right now, and I think what we wanted to try to do is, as things are emerging, just to try them out to say that we've had experience. And um, I think there's pros and cons of, you know, all places, and I think the most important thing is that people and bands and labels are trying to stay current and not trying to swim against the stream, but to try to go with it and try to get creative about how you can build excitement and you know if it means that you're not going to be selling as many physical units as you were in the past you're finding ways to uh still be involved and still build a hype and still grow and market and do all the things that bands need uh for them to do so i think there's there's lots of things to do and i think it's just a matter of creative thinking and really you know just testing testing the waters and trying out new things have you given any thought to hey like uh, we've settled down on this this is a model we're going to go with or we want to try something different or how do you guys feel about releasing music in the future um yeah like right now we haven't discussed how we're going to do the next album but like it feels a lot better to have like at least three options as the ones that we've already tried and um kind of using that as, you know, when we get to that point when the, we're working and recording the album to kind of see what would do the best. And I think it's just one thing that was really empowering for us was to see that at any time we can just post a song on Bandcamp and instantaneously people can listen to it and buy it and right away, like, kind of create momentum where that was something that we hadn't been able to try in the past. So it's just, it's just good to know our options, and I feel like we have a lot of possibilities and we got to kind of just choose what we want to do with the next release how did you get into music uh well i come from a pretty musical family like my parents uh played instruments and uh pretty much right when i was a kid i started taking piano lessons and stuff like that so it's always been a big part of just my growing up and then from there going to school and just meeting friends and that was kind of like a popular pastime to just play guitar together and learn cover songs and and it kind of just went on from there. How'd you get into like heavy music? Yeah, I think it was a matter of uh, playing guitar and then kind of seeing that in, you know, metal and progressive music. To me, that was some of where the most technical playing came from. So I think when you're younger, you always kind of aspire to try to be the fastest and the craziest and all that stuff and a lot of that stuff had happened or was happening in in metal so i think that's why i gravitated to it um in terms of your uh playing and and your composing of music what's really interesting me about it is the fact that it's kind of it's not like grind your face off death metal or anything that, that like that but it has a real intensity like you're always sort of being pulled along for this kind of incredible journey. How do you how do you go about that? How do you how do you create that sort of feeling? Yeah, I think more and more as uh, we as a band continue to write songs, we're just trying to find a way to think of the song as a whole, but not kind of dumb it down too much so so it's conventional. So 
I think we always know that like um, nothing isn't like out of reach, and that we can always at any point take a song, make a direct turn, and go off on a tangent or whatever. But at the same time, trying to keep themes repeating and um, yeah, just kind of letting it do its thing and not uh, overthinking it, but just trying to make it feel like it's like you said, like a journey or something that's kind of just moving along and taking you to the next spot and the next place. Last question, um, and I know it's an incredibly difficult one, but do you have any favorite bands or artists, bands that have been particularly influential to you? Yeah, I think, uh, hands down, uh, the most influential would be Propagandi, um, A, being Canadian, but also kind of being that legendary band that started as like a, you know, a raunchy punk band, but have kind of morphed into this like progressive thrash metal band and the fact that they're kind of still doing it 25 or so years later that's an inspiration just the longevity of their career and the fact that every time they put out a record they don't really compromise their sound and it's always you know they knock it out of the park so that's something that's always stuck with me uh, Protest the Hero will be playing at Melbourne at the Corner Hotel on April 21st supporting their uh, Pacific Myth release. Tim, thank you so much for joining me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having me and I'm looking forward to the show. Thanks for listening to the Moshpit Backstage Podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes and Omni. To find out more about the show, go to www.syn.org.au slash moshpit. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash moshpitonsin and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at moshpitsin. The regular Moshpit radio show broadcasts punk, rock and metal tunes and interviews every Thursday nights on SYN 9.7 on FM and digital radios. Listeners outside of Melbourne, Australia can stream SYN 9.7 online at www.syn.org.au. Thanks to Vintage Ruin for the music. Hi, this is Tomato from Flashgun Apocalypse. Hi, I'm Enid from Girls School. I am Phoebe Pinnock from Heaven the Axe. Hey, this is Gary Oldman of the Misfits. Hey, this is Kat Sproul from Horizon's Edge, and you're listening to The Mosfit on Sin FM. Hi, this is Aina from Leopard. Hi, I'm Virginia Lilly from the band Lilly. This is Raoul from 1449. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Ali from Eberhead. Hey everybody, this is Charlie Benante with Anthrax, and you are listening to the Mosh Pit on Tips.